Welcome to Blockbusted, the movie review podcast where two citizens ask, should we eat cake? I'm Citizen Mitch. I'm Citizen Max. And today we are looking at Les Miserables and Napoleon. Oh, you know we are French because we have outrageous accents. I'm trying to do it. What's the what's the Holy Grail line again? I don't remember. I fat in your general direction. Your father was a hamster, and your mother smelled of Valdebetis. On, on, on. That gets big yet. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's episode. This episode's theme. Oh, I fucked it. Welcome to the week episode, episode theme week. Uh, I love those weeks and themes. Uh, welcome to this episode and the theme for this episode. <laughs> uh, I thought I fixed this in my notes last week, and apparently instead all I've done is just make it harder for me to read. Um, <laughs> this episode's theme is two and a half hour long films about the French Revolution that do not contain a single French accent in them. <laughs> Uh, I want to point out they're actually different revolutions. Still French Revolution. Fine. The A French Revolution. <laughs> Same time period. Napoleon only stopped being uh, emperor like the year that Les Mis starts. So yeah, it's it's pretty much the same area of time. So yeah. l- let me try again. Two and a half hour long films about two different French revolutions, but both still don't contain a single French accent. How was that? Yeah, much better. Yeah, I can't really think of much more to say beforehand. Usually we have a bit more of a riff, but I got nothing. How about you? Um, ho, ho, ho. Have you been to France in recent memory? Uh, I have, actually. I, oh, yeah? I have visited France. I got mm-hmm. my um, high school results sitting in a, in a restaurant in Paris. Actually, oh, that's the best place to get your high school results. I was eating snails, and I got my results. They were less than I anticipated. And what was more grotty, I, the snail or the results? The results. The snails were good. They were just like doused in garlic and butter, and it's good. Oh, I see. I went to Aris in 2019. Not Paris, Aris. Uh, it's a place where many a uh, World War One battle was fought, and I think some World War Two ones as well. Uh, there's a lot of trench leftover trenches there and there's some mines that the soldiers hidden and the actual town's really nice and there's a bunch of unexploded mines in the in the fields and the, did you exploit a mine well no that's dangerous and i'm a man of safety everything i do is safe i don't take risks risks are for silly people and i don't consider myself a silly person uh Les Miserables directed by Tom Hooper the visionary behind the King's Speech and the war criminal behind 2019's Cats and released in 2012 it stars Hugh Jackman Russell Crowe Anne Hathaway Amanda Seyfried Eddie Redmayne Sasha Baron Cohen and Helena Bonham Carter Max what is Les Miserables about so Les Miserables I'm gonna butcher this name every time Les Miserables is about or is based on 
a musical or is an adaption of a musical made by I should have looked this up earlier. Well maybe um, we should go one step further and talk about the novel. Well I was gonna Hugo. I was gonna do that. I was gonna step I was gonna step back one thing at a time. Okay, um, well <laughs> I didn't realize because I just found like you were skipping the novel. Is it the guy who did cats? It's 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 not the guy who did cats. It's by it was a musical by Claude Michel Schoenberg and Elaine Bobille and Jean Marc Natel and they the other one that they're most well known for is Miss Saigon, um, which I think is currently showing in Melbourne. I don't know what that is. Another, it's another big musical from the eighties. Ah, excellent. But as you said, this this musical was based on the book Les Misérables by Victor Hugo, who also notably wrote The Notre Dame of Paris, which most people will know as The Hunchback of Notre Dame. French author living in the nineteenth century at the same time that this book slash a musical slash film is set and what it's about is a man named Jean Valjean and his sort of journey through life and how it intersects with the journey of another character called Cosette who is that really the character we're going to consider that he keeps okay so the story's kind of like complicated and a little bit like there's a lot going on Wolverine um, runs away from the guy from Gladiator because he broke parole. And then he runs into Catwoman from Dark Knight Rises and looks after a young girl who turns into one of the uh, mean girls and who falls in love with Newt Scamander while uh, Borat and Bellatrix Lestrange try to scam everyone they meet. That's yeah, the story. I, I guess you can put it like that. But... Yeah, effectively, it's it's the story of of various people's lives um, intersecting with each other over the course of this period of time where France was this imperialist nation that was very very strict in terms of lawmaking and punish and corporal punishment, and it's sort of the journey and discussion of the will of the people and learning to love. Did you learn to love? Um, I learned to nap with my eyes open. I did. I learn to love. Um, I don't think this movie taught me learnt learnt me how to love. Yeah, of course. I feel like may, maybe it like reminded me like, hey, do this occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> what What was this specifically? Like, lo- loving, sing. Yeah, singing, singing. Singing I, is loving. I do love love me a singing. I love I love a singing and I love a loving. That's so, the two things that Hugh Jackman says. So I want I want to get your impression on this movie first mm. because mm. I've got I feel like I've got a little bit more different sort of context to it. So mm. what was what were your thoughts on Lamez? Tom Hooper's Lamez. Yes, Tom Hooper's Lamez. It's better than Cats. I'll give you that. It's better than Cats. But it's worse than the King's Speech. So, uh, all right. Well, first of all, I think Anne Hathaway was really good. I don't remember who else was nominated for an Oscar that year, but she can win it. I don't care. Uh, Russell Crowe can't sing. And that was awkward every single time he did. Because he kind of did try to do spoken word type stuff. Or spoken singing type stuff, sorry. not spoken Yeah, word. except like his character's a tenor and it doesn't really work. Yeah, he was like, 
Something I'd rather do the, the law. Now prisoner 24601. Sounded like when we did our intro for Marvel, except I think we sounded better because we kind of stuck to the music. He felt like he was off the music every single time. I'm not saying we were in key, but we stuck kind of in time. <laughs> but also we have the excuse of not being professionals or being paid for this or actually even claiming we can sing. Uh, Russell Crowe doesn't have any of that to fall back on. So I don't know. I reckon we, AKA, I think we could beat him in a rap battle is what I'm saying. Right. In a physical altercation, he takes both of us, though. Uh, he's, he did gladiator training. Are you not entertained? Anyway, uh, Hugh Jackman is great as well. I mean, he's a triple threat. Always has been. He's brilliant. It's really annoying to not see him be Wolverine, though, when I really want him to be Wolverine. Because can you just imagine how much more interesting this story would be if he was Wolverine in this story? I feel story? like it would undermine it a bit. Uh, I didn't say it would make the actual themes of the story better. I just said it overall would be more interesting if he was so Wolverine. I, I'm, so I'm, what I'm picturing is that um, Neil Gaiman run, what was it, um, the like 1806 or whatever it was called. I don't know. Where all the superheroes like get pushed back into oh, alternate I, timeline. Yeah, you get like old-timey like, Spider-Man. Old-timey Spider-Man. Yeah, old-timey. Old like uh, Iron Man, but just a guy yeah. in night armor. Yeah, but kind of like gadgety night armor, but it's really just night armor. Yeah, but it was like a well-received run that Neil Gaiman did. Well, it's because it's Neil Gaiman. He's very um, creative yeah. and interesting. He has very good quality of work. Uh, speaking of this, it looks good. It's a good-looking movie. I mean, it's shot well. It looks too smooth, though. I don't know if that was a problem you had, but it looks kind of like it was shot the same way... Uh, what's, what's it called? Soap operas are shot? In that everything just kind of moves too smoothly. You know when Peter Jackson shot The Hobbit at like five bajillions frames a second and everything looked way too smooth and kind of flowed just a little too much and it just didn't work as a movie? That's what this felt like to me. I don't know if you got that sense as well while watching it. So for me, this this movie is really underpinned by the fact that I had seen the musical, the stage play before I had ever engaged with the movie um, at all. Gotcha. So I saw the stage play when I was a teenager. When it came to Melbourne, I can't remember what year that was, 2012, 2013, maybe. A while ago. And that was my first real like introduction to this show. And so looking at, this movie it's very much through the lens of like this is an adaptation of a stage play and as a result it falls a victim to some of the problems that linear adaptations of of stage plays fall victim to which is things like the attempt to make things more dynamic through camera work often a lot of the reason why these musicals are so successful is because they can fit so much clear information and drama into a really small physical space and sometimes bigger isn't necessarily better i really like the show i really like the show i think okay it's it's i'm not gonna say fun but it's got a lot of really good like songs i found myself singing along to a lot of them the ones that i recognized or humming along to the ones that i didn't know the words to as much and it's very much uh show that i really really like but when specifically talking about this movie i feel like there's 
just a couple of like two many little things that bothered me to really make this properly enjoyable experience. And I guess that's hindered by the fact that I've had a really amazing experience with this stage play as an introduction as well. Yeah. So well documented on this podcast, I don't really do live media that often, even though I've managed to do a bunch within the time of doing this podcast. Usually I go years without seeing something on stage. I managed to see three things this year in the time space that we've started this podcast alone, which is quite impressive for me. Uh, so I'd never seen this. I haven't read the novel either. It's really long. Well, it's really long. And I, I mean, I'm currently reading The Count of Monte Cristo, so who am I to like judge a book it's, for being it's super long? long it's and... longer than The Count of Monte Cristo. I don't believe it is. I feel, long, I'm fairly sure it is. How long? How long is it? How long? Now you're gonna make me look this. Now you're gonna make me look this up. Because I know how long the Count Monte Cristo is. Lame uh, is. Oh, okay. It's, it beats it by a hundred pages. All right. Yeah. It does. It is bigger. It, I didn't it's realize. It's like a beat. It's a big book. Well, it's only slightly bigger than the Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, Count only a hundred like, pages bigger. It's only in the grand scheme. That's less than ten percent for both books. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it it's like you know. So what was I saying? I haven't seen it. I haven't. I have nothing. No attachment to it whatsoever. It's already a format of story that I don't enjoy. And it took. I so okay. This week's movies, I watched both with my parents all the way through because my mom turned around. She said to me well, a few weeks ago, Mitchell, it would be cool if we could watch some of these movies together because then I can listen to an episode and know actually what you're talking about for once. And I knew we were going to do this episode and I knew that Lame is one of my mom's uh, stories that she enjoys. From her reaction to watching this movie, I don't think she remembered that she actually doesn't like this movie, uh, but she likes the story of Lame is and the songs and all that. So I said, mom, do you want to watch Lemurs with me? And she said, yeah, but what's the next movie you're doing? I was like, oh, Napoleon. She's like, oh, I'll go see that with you too. I was like, I don't think you realize how violent Napoleon is, mom, because my mom's not huge on violence. She's, she's, she can deal with it, but it's not something that really draws her to a film. And she'd, I think she'd prefer it not to be there for a lot of things. But anyway, so I saw this with my parents because my dad was just kind of there as well. <laughs> and I turned around to them about 20 minutes in and I, had, I, I said, so they sing the whole thing? Because I didn't know that. I didn't realize the whole thing was sung. I thought it was like a normal musical. This was something I learned like at the stage, at the theater when I watched it, was this is a sung through musical, which which is a fancy way of saying they sing the whole time with no breaks. And this movie actually has like small amounts of spoken dialogue, which the stage play doesn't have. It is incredibly confronting when you don't know that it's, something where it's like yeah this is two and a half plus hours of people just singing the whole time if you have the smallest amount of auditory processing issues it makes the story that much more incomprehensible i've watched this two times now i've watched this story two times now i had to ask my partner why jean valjean was convicted at the start of the movie because i, I just never picked it up um bread he stole bread for his, little, stole, his, his, I know his this sister's now. yeah son i yeah. i knew what how i i, I could listen i, I totally miss i totally miss that but like i as someone who's not like prepared for that it's it's very confronting i don't think it's a makes a like necessarily a good or a bad thing i just think it's definitely like very uh, different to the style of musical that like <laughs> i guess we would be used to 
Well, the problem is that for someone who doesn't like a musical, if the whole thing is sung, that just makes it even worse because at least in the parts of law musicals, there's a point where at least they're talking and I can go, oh, there's a break from the music. Thank God. Break from everyone singing their shit. Whew. Uh, but no, not in this one, except for the two to three lines that happen every half hour or so, just because they couldn't be bothered. They're like, ah, he jacked and wished your voice for two seconds. My dad classically loves to have his iPad out when we watch a movie and he loves to search things up. And so he pointed out that they actually added a song in to cover for the intermission in this adaption. So the point where he has young Amanda Seyfried, uh, Colette, is that her name? Yeah, Colette. Uh, fuck, Colette is not. You want know Sasha Baron Cohen fucked me up because he kept <laughs> saying a different version of the name in this. Like it's a joke, it's a running joke. But I couldn't remember what the original one was, and so he kept re- hitting me with random new ones. And I, I mean, he said Courgette, and I knew that one wasn't real because that's an eggplant. So was that the eggplant? It's or actually a zucchini? a zucchini. Yeah, it's a zucchini. Sorry, a aubergine is an eggplant. I beg your yeah. pardon. Just call it an eggplant and a zucchini, dude. Not you, the Brits. The, the, the Brits. French? Well, the Brits as well. Um, so, yeah, it, he kept saying it wrong, and that kind of screwed me up because each name was pretty similar, and they always sang it as well. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not horrible, but I'm not brilliant when it comes to audio, auditory processing and stuff like that. And so if something is singing the whole time, I'm kind of like... Sweating, my brow gets real sweaty, and I have to dab at it with a handkerchief. But it's just, you know, it's just, it's just weird. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, so sorry. Um, what I was saying was that the the song when he goes to f- Paris, escaping from Russell Crowe with Co- Cosette, 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 yeah. Cosette, Cosette, Cosette galore. That's a that's a new song that they wrote mm. to cover for the intermission. And then they just kind of edited around other ones. Like I Dreamed a Dream is like a lot shorter and a yeah. lot less prominent than apparently. This is from my mom, by the way. I don't know this. But yeah, apparently it's a lot less prominent and all that. Yeah, I remember uh, Castle on a Cloud being longer. I don't know if that was just my memory, but. So what did you think of, because this is a stacked cast. What did you yeah. think of this cast? We've already talked so- about Russell Crowe, but. And so, I gave vague things on Anne Hathaway. Sorry, yeah, so, so one of the things I have when it comes to casting in movies like this and movies and animated movies. I know um, what you're going to say now. Yeah, I know exactly yeah, what you're going to say. <laughs> uh, that there are people who are professionals who've done this for their whole lives or like breaking out in this careers and work in musical theatre. I'm going to talk with the exception of Hugh Jackman because he does um, uh, Anne to an Hathaway's extent, a singer too, isn't she? She got a breakthrough Disney Channel movie. She a singer? I don't think so. Are we she saying was very like, good. Are we trying to say classically trained though? Like I was saying, people I, who actually I don't were want to say in, like I don't want to say like classically trained. Well, not, but sorry, not like, cl- but like did their did their dues in music theater in, and stuff in musical like that. Theater. Gotcha. And yeah. My instinct is always you're going to get a better musical theater performance out of someone who does musical theater. And I think this is evident in some of the performances. I think Russell Crowe is obviously the standout, like garbage. If you, if you go online and watch a stage performance of Javert, it's much more pronounced and sung. And does he know 
but granting me my life today. This man has killed me. Even so. Um, I guess. He's kept the letter of the law. And does he know that granting me my life today, this man has killed me. Even so. It, like, he is a really, like, quite a powerful character. Um, mm. in, in, a, like, in a good performance of this show. Um, and he kind of needs to be, because he needs to be, like, this yeah, ominous absolutely. presence, and he needs exactly. to be the villain. And in this one, you're kind of just like, Russell Crowe, you wet towel. What are you doing here? There's a couple of times where Eddie Redmayne sings a little bit outside of his range. He wasn't actually bad, though. He, he, was, mostly, he was mostly quite good, but there's, like, there's a, a couple of times where that's the case. And I think the standout performances for me were um, some of the smaller or not smaller, but like lesser known actors or stage actors, which were Ebony, who is the girl who dies. That was going to be Taylor um, Swift, by the way. Pun? That was meant to be Taylor Swift, but Taylor Swift uh, didn't take the role. Like it was pretty know, close and apparent and, and, and she didn't take it. <laughs> Um, for some reason, I can't. I don't know why, but my dad was telling me that yeah, they were trying to cast Taylor Swift in that. <laughs> she did Cats instead. Good job. Yeah. Look, you win some, you lose some, or just lose, lose. Uh, yeah. Um. So I thought she was really good, and I'm going to yeah. It's um. I think it's George Blagden, um, who's a one of the 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 um leader of the sort of the student revolution um who is oh, a, the, the guy who's along with eddie redmayne yeah and yeah um, he he's good. a he's a professional yeah musical theater actor on the west end yeah. and for me those performances were stronger performances than some of the other i guess like hollywood cast and as much the, as it's the names i read out at the start <laughs> yeah and as much as it's uh, the draw is that you go to a movie because it's like oh it's it's this famous musical but it's starring hugh jackman and anne hathaway and russell crowe and sasha baron cohen for some reason and he does weird movies he just kind of appears in <laughs> random places remember when he was in hugo I haven't seen that movie since it came out, I don't think. Probably when you and I saw it together in the same theater. Yeah, in 3D. I remember it being in 3D. My dad loved that movie and I hated it. The book is actually really sweet. I'm not reading Uh, it too long. But, yeah, I think, like, there's obviously that draw for people to come in and watch um, this movie because it's full of these big-name Hollywood actors that they've heard of. Um, And it's not just like, oh, it's some adaptation of a musical, I don't care, whatever. And that draws people to it. And I think for this movie, it did that because it drew this, like, sort of second wave of enthusiasm towards this show and it sort of had this revival season after the movie came out. I know at least in Melbourne, uh, for a couple of years after the movie came out, there was lots and lots of buzz around the show which the movie sort of helped reinvigorate but ultimately i think the best performance is going to come from for a musical theater adaptation um is going to be from a musical theater performer um yeah. in the same way that and i like hinted i not hinted but i alluded to this before that a 
voice actor for an animated film is going to put, do a better performance 90% of the time than a um, film actor will. This is obviously not to say that they're not good actors. I just think it's the the choice of like what's who has what strengths and where to put them where. Splice in a montage of Chris Pratt audio. Do we prefer Chris Pratt Mario? <laughs> so, uh, so everybody saw the commercial then? Or Chris Pratt Garfield? And that's how I adopted John. <laughs> but I mean, like that's that's exactly it, though, right? It's yeah. Like Chris Pratt is voiced Mario in the Mario movie and is going to voice Garfield, and he was fine in the Mario movie. Like, I I don't think it was anything like it wasn't memorable. It wasn't um, shit, it but wasn't good either. At the same time, like you, like sort of did this little cameo of um, Charles Martinet, who is the original voice of Mario, and he's in it for like thirty seconds, and his vocal performance is so much better than ninety percent of the rest of the cast because it's um, these big name Hollywood actors like Chris Pratt and Seth Rogen and Anya Taylor Joy, which is kind of funny because Chris Pratt. Like second big movie was the Lego movie, and he was really good in that as well. People really liked yeah. him in that. It's, yeah, it was that was quite strange, and that that's a that's a movie that has a lot of. It actually has a fair bit of overlap between like film actors and voice actors as well. It's got um yeah, um like people like Will Arnett who obviously made their break in um Arrested. It was Arrested Development, wasn't it? Um, probably. He and, is in that, but yeah. Um, and then went on to do things like Bojack Horseman, where yeah. that was incredibly successful, partly because yeah. of his performance in that. And he's on Lego Batman. Yeah, and and him as Lego Batman. And I think there are some people, and like uh, Hugh Jackman, I, I think is is the case here, um, where people have a broad enough skill set and have enough experience in a variety of different mediums that they can be cast across sort of different this sort of like spectrum of media and like Hugh Jackman has experience working as a stage actor he has experience working as a film actor he's also a voice actor he has experience working as a voice actor he's the real triple threat and as a result I think that makes a lot of sense to cast him as as Jean Valjean Mm. in this movie but I feel like I've rambled on long enough well well, I was going to ask was because you've seen would you consider what you saw on the stage, a, a very good representation of the stage play of Lemurs. I mean, I understand you probably haven't seen other versions, but like, was it good? Was it? Do you reckon it did what it needed to do? I I I enjoyed it when I saw when I first saw it, and like, it's not a short show. It no. even 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 by musical theater standards, it's still quite a long show, and it is a it is sung through, which makes it feel a little bit longer at times because you don't have those sort of like rest breaks as you were talking about, yeah. um, where you can kind of go, oh, okay, they're just going to talk for a bit. Just because my my follow on question is, do you think Hugh Jackman is a good Jean Valjean? I I think he's fine. I think okay. compared to a lot of the rest of the cast, he's on he's better. But I feel like there he. He sort of has the physicality to Jean Valjean that I th- mm. think is needed, and I think he does that quite well. But I don't know whether I would have chosen his voice for Jean Valjean. But at that point, maybe I'm being picky. I mean, yeah. What what what, what time of? Oh, I mean, that's the problem. There isn't. I'm going to ask you to pick an actor to be Jean Valjean, but then you're just going to be able to, you're going to be able to pick from a pool of Hollywood actors because we only know. 
well, those are the ones that are famous. We don't know because you and I, I don't know how about you, but I'm not very. I'm, yeah, I, I don't maybe know. Maybe once them. I would have known, but not anymore. Yeah. And I was going because also, as mentioned at the very start, Anne Hathaway won Best Supporting Actress for mm. this role. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and pull up actually who else was there. But do you, without knowing who else was in that category, do you think like it's a performance that deserved that? I think it's a very like it's a good very good performance, and I think the she's only in the movie for a couple of scenes i think there's mm. two or three at the start and then the one right at the end that she's in and she is a very good and powerful performer in in terms of like a best supporting actress like i it's hard to tell because like you like obviously judge it across the other films that came out around the same time yeah well i'm gonna so, tell you what else was nominated okay I've only seen three of these. There's five. There's a good chance I'll have seen less. Well, you've seen at least one because you've seen Les Mis. Okay. Uh, Jackie Weaver in Silver Linings Playbook, which is a movie I saw yonks ago and I don't remember. Uh, I've heard about it. I haven't seen it. Sure. Sally Field in Lincoln. Famously, she played Peter Parker's aunt, Aunt May, in The Amazing Spider-Man. Again, I've heard of Lincoln. I haven't seen it. Yeah, me either. That's a Spielberg I've missed. Uh, mm. Amy Adams in The Master. I also watched that ages ago, and I don't remember her performance. Uh, that's not ringing any bells for me. The Master's a PTA movie. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Sorry, we're not friends. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, then we got Anna Hathaway from Les Miserables. And then we have Helen Hunt from The Sessions, which is a movie I've never heard of in my life. I don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah, no, see... So yeah, we got, I, think, I got no ability to, to figure I, out who... I, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got no, no context to be able to judge that there. Uh, yeah. I, I could not answer that question. I'm sorry. Actually, what other Oscars did it win? Give me two seconds. I'm going to see what else it won. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it'll have won like best, best sound sound editing yeah. or best score or something like that. Okay, here we go. Uh, it won best achievement in makeup and hairstyling. Yeah, that, there we go. And best achievement in sound mixing as yeah. well. The, the, the makeup and hair were really good. Yeah. The, and this the is something, costuming was good as well. Like costu- looked, the costuming was good. Yeah. I think the hair and makeup were like specifically quite good. I really mm. liked the the standout. Obviously, is um Helena Bonham Carter and Sasha Baron Cohen as the master and mistress. Oh, that's, I, got I'm sure they've got there. real names. Uh, um, Thenardier and Madame Thenardier. <laughs> I said that wrong. I said that so wrong. <laughs> and they sort of have these like extravagant sort of looks to them that are sort of eccentric, and then they are in the scene in the wedding at the end where they're or made up as well but you also have that um the scene uh the earlier scene with um and hathaway where you have um the like league of prostitutes um and they like prefer ladies of the night i believe okay and the you kind of get this like quite dramatic and it, like again quite a musical theater approach to hair and makeup which i mm. think again suits this very well yeah uh, I just wanted because you were talking about how uh, this movie kind of was very popular and all that. It made four hundred forty-two million dollars worldwide on a budget of sixty-one million, which is quite impressive. So it, I don't know, it must have gotten, it must have, who well, must have been. I guess Hugh Jackman is in the uh, X-Men movies at that point in time, and mm. Anne Hathaway's very popular as well i think the dark knight rises wouldn't be out just yet but soon yeah um, she's she's definitely in 
um, stuff. Russell Crowe's a well-known actor. He's so well-known. Um, Sacha Baron Cohen would have done Borat by then, um, ages ago, but he would have been, he's like, he's always in the news somehow. Yeah. Um, Helena Bonham Carter. Helena Bonham Carter's. She's doing, um, Brown Harry doing stuff. at this point in time. Um, yeah. And Amanda Seyfried um, had done mean Mamma Girls. Mia as well. Oh, and Mo- um, that's exactly what. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I was like, there's a better one than Mean Girls to draw on her for her, but it's I okay. keep forgetting when, it. I was, I was saying to my partner earlier that like, the only thing I can ever think of is being in Mean Girls and then being Jennifer's body. Um, and I know she's been oh, in, she's in Jennifer's body. For, for, what, for whatever reason, in my mind, like she and the character she plays in Mamma Mia just then they're different people can, can i tell you the worst one that actually comes to mind the most for me with amanda seyfried what she's the love interest in ted 2 oh my god i know which is a movie i haven't even seen ted 1 i got dragged to see ted 2 by some person i can't remember who did it i hated that movie because i didn't get it i just didn't find it funny so it was really awkward so i just sat there and my friend thought it was the funniest thing alive oh i don't know whatever and he just kind of sat there and was cacking himself. And I just sat there and I was very silent and I hoped he didn't notice. So I pretended to laugh at some of the jokes, but then I was like, I feel gross doing that. But yeah, um, look, it looks great. It it has decent acting to bad acting. Well, I guess it's really the singing we should really be focusing on. So it has decent I mean, singing the, this, to like this, okay singing. It's possible. It's, it's, it's important that like you both look at the singing and the acting. It's it's not like one can be done in isolation from um, the other. I'm kind of rolling them into one thing though, and saying the singing is what we'll call it. I mean, I understand it's both acting and singing, but I'm just rolling yeah. it into one, which is going to probably kill whoever listens to this and also does musical theater. But I just it's not a I don't I don't like musicals. This is not the musical for someone who doesn't like musicals because it's so musical. Uh, the most Tom musical, Hooper. musical can musical, I, I think, almost. Maybe not I quite, but Cats would probably close. be the most one, right? Yeah, Cats is a little bit more just like, yeah, because it's also a sing-through and there's no plot, really. And they also speak gibberish Yeah, in Cats, which makes the audio processing shit worse because you're like, did, I, did they say that wrong? Or am I, or like, like, did they say gibberish or am I dumb? is it's such a yeah you don't know which one it is it kind of feels like a fever dream watching that show it's it's very worse strange. to watch have you have you ever seen rebel wilson unzip her fur pull it off and then have a sequined red dress underneath it but still also have fur N- no that's upsetting it's really upsetting also idris elba looked like he smelled in that movie <laughs> that's cruel because i like idris elba <laughs> But anyway, uh, I just, it's not good. I didn't like this. It's like fine. It's too long, uh, too much singing, which is not a real criticism for a musical, but for me it is. I just, I think it doesn't, it, it doesn't sell itself as a reason to watch. Like, it's just kind of a nothing. It's like, why did you make this movie? Keep, it, 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 it has to prove to itself, why would you want to make something that was working perfectly fine on on a stage? Why would you turn this into a, a screen-based uh, uh, story. Yeah. And I mean, obviously I don't have that context of having seen it on stage, but it honestly doesn't feel like it was worth it. And I think yeah, the vibe I, you're giving off, it doesn't sound like it was worth it either. My my like instinct would be like, it is a, like as an introduction to it, it's not a terrible one. It's reasonably accessible. That said, 
Uh, it's not available on any streaming services. I was going to say it's accessible if um, you can get it. <laughs> yeah, but I'd be tempted to try and dig around for for a filmed stage play version if you if you're interested in having in checking this out. To be honest, there's apparently a non musical Liam Neeson version. Yes, I did also know this, which I think would have been funny if we did that. But no, we had to do the Hugh Jackman one. I wanted to see my baby Hugh Jackman. He's really kind of ripped in this one, but he's. Because my dad was saying that both he and Anne Hathaway lost a lot of weight for this these roles. Mm. And my response was, uh, Hugh Jackman must have lost all the muscle he'd built up for Wolverine to not look like an absolute Adonis yeah. in the French Revolution, well, one of the French revolutions. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he looks really good in everything he does. Australia's own, and then New Zealand can have Russell Crowe back. We don't want him anymore. Anyway. Should we give some scores? Yeah, let's do some scores. I'll go first. So I'm giving it one actor who is Australian and an actor who people think is Australian, but is not. That's 1.5 out of 5. I gave Lemurs three times they could have worked things out by having a chat, but instead they were too busy singing. Out of five. That'd be really annoying. If if I had like something really serious to talk to like you about, and I went up to you like Max, hey, I, I actually have like something. Like you kind of said something that really hurt my feelings. You're like, red the blood of angry men. No, Max, like please. I'm the dark of ages like, past. I just really need to like calm down a bit. I'm. I really just need to talk about this. It's like making me uncomfortable. Red. <laughs> oh man. What is it? Fuck. It's, I can't like, remember red, the line the Red the I don't know. I thought you were going to do people. Do you hear Red, people sing? Honestly, the world about to dawn, like yeah. the night that ends and love. Like my mom's like really sick recently, and like I can never have a conversation with you. Yeah. Did you do you? You did your <laughs> readings. Have so much fun, Ed. You're gonna have so much fun editing. It's gonna be me, so good, like belting into the microphone. Oh, uh, I'm gonna drown that bad boy down in the uh, edit seat. <laughs> it's gonna. I'm gonna hold, click on the left hand corner and audition and go straight to the left. Hey. Greetings, citizens. Uh, wee wee citizens. Is this? No, that's not a good. Like, um, you, you can, get, can you do it get. with like the uh, like accordion music in the background, like like. Oh, I thought you. Really that's, I'll try and do something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we we citizens, it is I, Michel, here to give you the Max Mitch Mini Media. Fuck again. <laughs> It's been right next to each other. It's your one job. <laughs> it's your one job to do the, the the sounds. I write all the notes. I have all the things. You do the intros. No, you do the whatever. The summaries and the button presses. You click record. You click pause when I have to deal with the cat. That's never happened. I don't know why I'm, I use that as an example. Anyway. Uh, I went second last week because I went first the week before. <gasps> I think you should let yeah, me go Yeah, because you did Soika. Um, so I'll go first. No, I think, no, I think you should let me go first. Uh, two weeks in a row? All right, yeah, yeah. that's fine. Whatever. Okay. Um, and I, I say that because I have a connecting How do you always manage have these connecting ones? Um, I never do. I either have connecting ones or none, and I have to pull something out of my ass. 
Which one's this one? This one is a connecting one uh, because right. I store, I store, I saw a stage play. You store a stage stay? I store a stage stay. Um, <laughs> no, I saw um, a very Jewish Christmas carol, um, which was a play or is a play that's currently on at the... It South took me Bank too long Theater. to realize that the connection was stage plays, not France. Oh man. <laughs> it's a show it's a show um by the MTC. It's on currently at the South Bank Theatre. It's sort of like an adaptation of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, but if it was Jewish and also modern. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun and funny and it does some interesting stuff with like looking at how you relate how like specifically like people relate to this sort of time of year when you're in families that have like a cross, like cross cultural, like, but like when you're in families that celebrate different, like multiple different holidays or half of your family might celebrate one or the other. I know you're in that sort of position and I'm sort of entered that in the last couple of years where like I grew up celebrating Hanukkah. My partner's not Jewish, so she celebrates Christmas and being introduced to Christmas over the last couple of years is like a very interesting experience for me. But What's your favorite lo- part of Christmas? Um, yeah, as someone who's just come to it, because that's something I've done for a while, someone, even though I'm also Jewish. I mean, I like food. Food is good. Um, is good. I like singing, but I liked that before mm. Christmas. It's true, you did. But it has both. It has both food and singing. To be fair, so does Hanukkah. What do you think about Jesus? Um, it's really, that's, the, that's, the, that's the spice that Christmas brings that Hanukkah doesn't have is Jesus. I, I don't, like Hanukkah I don't has fire and, and candles. And uh, deep fried potato. And deep, look, look, I'm saying that's the spice and that jam Christmas donuts. has. I'm saying that and Hanukkah has its spice. There's different spices. What, what, what Christmas has that Hanukkah doesn't have is ham. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Trees. They have trees. It's more eco-friendly. I guess. Except we you cut get down the, the, cut down the friendly, trees. So it's you not get really eco-friendly candles. Eco, eco-friendly matzo balls. Yeah, that's that's not the right holiday. You, you wouldn't eat it on, yeah. It's um, but it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of like an adaptation of um, the classic a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. <laughs> no, I um, thought you meant Christmas was an adaptation of something it, else. Like, Christmas is an adaptation of a pagan holiday. I mean, it is, but I was just like, where's he going with this? <laughs> no, a very Jewish Christmas Carol. It was an adaptation of, of um, the Charles Dickens story that has been adapted many, many times. And it's sort of an interesting spin on it where it looks at that sort of like relationship and also generational trauma, like every good Jewish text. I had fun and it was good and um, it made it was sad at times and also funny. It was good. I was going to say, there. was it a funny? It was a da funny. That's good. We like it when it's da funny. Well, I mean, I enjoy um, it when it's da funny. It was da funny and da sad. It had the best of both worlds. The best of both the worlds. Bo- the best of both the worlds. What did you get up to this week, uh, so this week I kind of didn't really do anything that I was super into. So I'm just going to talk about something that I did two weeks ago <laughs> that I was super into, uh, because you know, two weeks ago 
well, the last episode I said, do you want to hear about me escaping a room or reading a book? I'm just going to do the book this time now because it's a book I enjoy. Uh, I haven't finished a book since then. And the movies I watched this week were like kind of fine. Uh, so yeah, I, um, I reread the first book of Wheel of Time, uh, uh, The Eye of the World, which is no mean feat because it's long. Uh, <laughs> How does it compare to Les Mis? It's better in every way. No, I see the length. Length? It's about, yeah. I think it's below 50%, but just barely. So, oh no, it hits 700 pages. So it's above 50%, but it doesn't hit like 60% at all. I'm just, just going to look right up now? the length. I'm, I'm looking it's up. It's, it's like 600 to 700 pages, depending on the, uh, the edition you have. So which. the eye of the world. Yeah. Is. 782 in the US hardback. Cool. And Lay Miz is 1462. Yeah. So I assume just, an original publication. So slightly slightly above 50. No. Yes, slightly above. Wait, what was it? What was what was I have the word it's, against it's 182? A, it's, it's it's um it's like exactly half. It's like 50%. It's, it's pretty much 50%. Yeah, okay, so it's about 50% of 50, 50%, <laughs> give me 350, uh, it's about 50% of Lamez. and it's really good, um, I mean, if you don't like fantasy, you'll hate it, but uh, it's, I, I love, I love what a fantasy, and so I love what this book, it's so much fun, uh, the reason why I'm rereading it is not because I'm a masochist, I mean, I am, but it's because I want to actually finish the series, so I, in my first read through of the series, I got to book eight, and then just kind of life got in the way, I, I moved around. I went traveling. Uh, For those who aren't familiar with the Wheel of Time series, I was how, explain. how long? How I'm sorry. <laughs> There's 14 books, and each of them are at minimum 600 pages. But that's not like they get higher than that, obviously, because one of them's almost 800. The first one's almost 800 pages. But they're really good. Uh, so I got to book eight, which apparently is where the slump happens as well in the series because there's about three books that apparently nothing happens in them that's eight nine ten i didn't really get to that point because i didn't get far into book eight but i was really enjoying it i was loving it the series i would read a book in between to kind of space it out and not mean i died on fantasy but it's it's so much fun it's everything i want in a book it's got uh it's got fighting it's got violence it's got uh, it's not violent like George R. R. Martin violent though, which is like fine. I don't mind that, but it's 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 a nicer, it's a more palatable violence, but still there. It's got a chosen one. It's got a dark lord, but also the chosen one may just go insane at some point and kill everyone. So that's pretty sick. So that's a bit of like a twist on the chosen one thing as well. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, if you like fantasy, uh, I would because I would consider it the father of modern fantasy where like uh, uh lord of the rings is kind of the grandfather of modern fantasy and this is a direct descendant of lord of the rings uh the author robert jordan described his inspiration behind this and this is shown really easily through the first two books as well uh he wanted to kind of do his own take on uh lord of the rings and so the first the first novel reads kind of like a rehash of fellowship of the ring which is fine because I love Fellowship. That's my favorite novel. Of the, that's my favorite movie of Lord of the Rings. And that's my favorite, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, book of Lord of the Rings as well. And so I don't mind that. But then it, it, it kind of becomes its own thing 
around the end of book two and then book three onwards, it's really wheel of time from that point onwards as well. So obviously that's an investment, but also that's less than what what's four what's three over fourteen. You can't divide that down. It's possible. It's like what it's like slightly above a seventh of the series. Uh it doesn't that does not divide down nicely at all. I mean, three divide three. It's 14th. like more than a it's it's just less over than a quarter. You'd have to be less than a quarter because three yeah, over twelve 20, is a quarter. Twenty one percent. Yeah. So that's like twenty one percent of the series. It takes twenty one percent of the series for it to find its identity, which I think is reasonable. <laughs> um because you get because yeah. And anyway, it's just really if, good. if a book finds its identity in the first twenty percent of the book, I'd probably be happy. <laughs> Yeah, so this series finds its identity. I mean, and it's still good. It's still good, and yeah, um, that's it. I'm not going to say more because I don't want to spoil it. And also, I forgot what happens after the book one, which is why I'm rereading it. I'm halfway through book two, but I'm reusing Sense and Sensibility as a break because I went straight into book two. It's killing me a little bit. I needed a break. So I'm doing some Jane Austen. You need to give me a warning. All right, we need to start doing no, warnings. I'm not doing warnings. I need a warning. No warnings. I'm trying to think if I can keep this in or not. It's not going to be funny. Uh, Napoleon, directed by Ridley Scott and released in 2023. Oh, should I say what else he's done? Uh, the visionary behind Alien, Gladiator, Blade Runner, and the war criminal behind Alien Covenant, Prometheus, and what's a really bad movie he did? He did some really bad stuff. Uh, uh, Alien Covenant, Prometheus. Oh, The Color of Money. No, All the Money in the World. The Color of Money is a Martin Scorsese film. All the Money in the World, it's so I boring. I feel like you should restart this intro, maybe. Fine. Let me write it down, though. Sounds yeah. Funny. Yeah. The visionary behind Alien. Let's do The Martian, because that's probably my favorite one of his. And Blade Runner. And The... Senile old man behind Alien Covenant. 2010's Robin Hood. I haven't seen that one, so I can't really make fun of it. Oh, okay. But I will make fun of the, the old money in the world. Ah, fuck it. We'll do Robin Hood. No one liked that movie. Both have no one liked that movie. No one liked that movie. I don't think. That's got like a low rating. It's got right? 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's low enough. Uh, okay. <laughs> Run the run the psh, psh, psh again. It's also got right. Russell Crowe. Yeah, that's why. I, oh, and I didn't finish saying that, but yeah, it both have Russell Crowe. Yeah, uh, Napoleon. Oh, what was the point of us running the thing if we were going? To... <laughs> Napoleon, directed by Ridley Scott. No, oh, I said Ridney Scott. <laughs> directed by Ridley Scott, she the visionary. On my D until I Scott. We'll start again. We're starting again. <laughs> Directed by Ridley Scott, the visionary behind Alien, The Martian, and Blade Runner, and the senile old man behind Alien Covenant, Prometheus, and Robin Hood, 2010. Released in 2023, it starts Joaquin Phoenix, Vanessa Kirby, Taha Rahim, Rupert Everett, Mark Bonnard, and Paul Reese. Max. And what was the movie, Mitch? I said Napoleon. Did you? Okay. Fuck, we'll do it again. Fine, run it again. <laughs> I have all the time in the world, baby. All the time in the world. Napoleon, directed by Ridley Scott, the visionary behind Alien, The Martian, and Blade Runner, 
and the senile old man behind Alien Covenant, Prometheus, and Robin Hood 2010. It was released in 2023. It stars Joaquin Phoenix, Vanessa Kirby, Tahar Rahim, Rupert Everett, Mark Bonar, and Paul Reese. Max, what is Napoleon about? <laughs> Napoleon is about Napoleon. The famous or infamous general turns emperor of France turns exile turns returning emperor turns turn, exile return, again turn returning turn returning attempted emperor oh well, he was emperor again exile and then he, he got kicked he out he sort again. of like did a like half coup uh, a coup uh, 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 it was a coup de, it was a coup de because oh, of coup de gras you're trying to do coup de gras it's a coup d'etat coup de gras oh. is different no, I was wondering because no. a coup d'etat is, is a coup of the state I don't know, dude. And coup de gras so, is a coup, coup of, of grace. grace. Yeah. What do you think of this movie? <laughs> it's it's yeah. I mean, so so it 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 really is just meant to be like a biopic of him from the end of the or not the end really the since from between the French or the. Let me start that again. It's meant to be a biopic of Napoleon's life from between the what's considered the key date in the first first French Revolution in 1789 until he died in the 1800s. 1821. 1821. And his journey from growing up on a little island called Corsica to him dying on a little island called, it's not St. Helena, St. Alba? I don't know. I didn't remember. I'm surprised you tried to do the name. I wouldn't remember it. I would, I, I, um, remember things. He died in, um, St. Helena. So it wasn't St. Elba. It wasn't Elba. That was the first, that was the first island he got exiled to. Cool. You said this is a biopic. I disagree. This is a takedown of Napoleon. <laughs> this is a, <laughs> a, 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 an un, enable, enable, unable to be, uh, What's what's it called when you're in a debate and you have a chance to speak against what they said? Rebuttal. Uh, yeah, it's an un, it's something that's unable to be rebutted by the guy who Ridley Scott fucking hates with an absolute fiery passion. Oh, does Ridley Scott hate this guy? And it makes sense because Ridley Scott's a Brit, so he would hate Napoleon. <laughs> uh, but damn, does he hate Napoleon? Because he just does everything he can to make this guy seem like not only an idiot but impotent emasculated a simp uh already an idiot but i'm gonna say dumb dumb as well just the the one thing he stopped short of was continuous short jokes he did one and then from then on they kind of just didn't like have to they didn't do it again because the rest is, of, like oh. joaquin phoenix is an actor that short so oh he's not short for, you could just force perspective it i mean yeah hobbit, but do the not the hobbit do the lord of the rings don't do a hobbit That'd be sad. Where everyone is like normal height and then Ian McKellen is tall. Just have him never standing up in any scene and he's just constantly on his knees in every shot. <laughs> or put everyone on a box. <laughs> no, put film all of his scenes on a green screen and cut out his legs. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> so I like this movie. I actually do like this movie. Uh, I don't think it's a good representation of Napoleon. Uh, Because I have 12 facts here that uh, 
stuff he didn't not did do. We're gonna go through them. Some of them aren't that interesting, but we're gonna go through all them anyway. But we're gonna do it right now. But yeah, I I think it's interesting. I thought it looked good. Uh, I thought it's probably one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. Not that funny, but it's pretty funny. And the acting is really good. And really, Scott always shoots stuff really well, even when he's making hot garbage. So yeah, I mean, it's good. It's a it's a Ridley Scott film. I think you know what you're getting into at this point when you go and see a Ridley Scott film. Max, what, what did you think? Um, I agree with you on most things except for the fact that it's good. I think, yes, this is definitely a Ridley Scott film. It's definitely a film that is a really uh, nice film to look at. The cinematography and compositing and editing looks really nice. Most of the acting is really, really good. Well, all of the acting is really, really good with a caveat, which I will get to. I think it's the same caveat that we're both going <laughs> to say, but I, the same caveat kind of, that every, I, have a, the, I have a little bit of a rebuttal to it, but it's, I should kind of agree to it, but yeah, um, we can talk about that. Yeah. And I really like the score as well. I think they did a really excellent job with music choice for this movie to make it, feel quite like epic but in a like a classically french sort of way Um, had those strings that i don't i'm not clever enough in the ways of music to be able to recognize some instruments just like especially the obscure ones but it had like those strings not a harpsichord but kind of like that that give off the vibe of the 1800s and stuff Mm. like that like the high courts of 1800s type thing But also, yes, the um, music was also yeah. the rest of the music was great as well. Yeah, and as as much as I think it is a really pretty film to look at, it does fall a little bit short for me in a couple of different places. Hit me with some of those. So we'll t- we'll talk about the one that I think we're both alluding to, which is yeah, um, the man, the, the myth, the, the legend himself. himself. <laughs> yeah, um, Joaquin Phoenix. I think Joaquin Phoenix is a really good actor, yes. and I think he does actually do a really good job in this film. Yeah. There's I I've had I've heard some stuff about people talking about um that he overacts it a bit. I don't think that's true. I just don't think I just don't think that he was the right casting choice for this movie. Yeah. I think given his other performances, especially given the fact that a lot of the performances that he've, he's done have been in stuff that's a fair bit more surreal and non-naturalistic than mm. this film intends to be. I'm thinking of... Um, Joker, obviously. obviously. Joker. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was afraid the Ariasta extravaganza and her, which we talked about on the podcast, which mm. are all sort of like... They're dramatic movies, but they're also very like surreal and can sort of play into that sort of level of dryness, dry energy that he gives. I'm, uh, is what I'm going to call it. They also both have a dreamlike quality to them that mm. uh, complements him. I f- I think in this movie specifically, I think he was the wrong casting choice because, and I don't know if it comes across as overacted as much as it does feel a bit bland and feel a bit like it's hard to believe that this guy was ambitious enough to be the emperor of France or ambitious enough to like 
have this vision of conquering Russia or all these like other quite amazing in 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 like a sort of the accomplishments that the real Napoleon yeah managed to get. and and like a lot of these things were really really awful and hurt a lot a lot of people but it, they're still re- very impressive achievements and it felt a bit like he just didn't give me that sort of energy that I would expect from someone with that sort of drive and motivation to do the things that we see him do in the movie. Mm. So I disagree it, with, with like, it's like, I agree, but disagree at the same time. And let me, let me, let me, let me hear me out. All right. I think in a real Napoleon biopic, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Joaquin Phoenix would not have been a good pick. I think for this vitriolic takedown of Napoleon, Joaquin Phoenix was brilliant. <laughs> That's so I think he suits this movie specifically. But as an actual, if they were trying to do a more legitimate Napoleon and show that drive and show that. Uh, uh, that 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 fire in him, yeah. Walking Phoenix wouldn't have been the pick for me, but that's not who uh, Ridley Scott was trying to depict. He was trying to show a man with zero backbone who makes uh, baby and pig noises to his wife when he wants smoochies, uh, and and kind of just gets uh, taken for a ride and fumbles his way into success and never really actually does anything clever himself because the movie does not depict him as clever as a tactician that he was as the leader that he was and and yeah so it's just i think i agree with you on the level that he's not a good napoleon if you wanted to pick an actual napoleon but for this basically stalin is dead version of historic events not sorry not stalin's the death of stalin type i don't know if you've seen that the death of stalin no i i I have i have seen cool yeah sorry i was just wondering if that was like a horrible (laughs) reference uh sorry yeah so this death this death of stalin style film about the the events of napoleon i think he's great see i didn't i didn't read it as as like that sort of parody film that you're you're sort of talking about or or more direct comedy and I, i i don't think it does enough to really make this like comedic sort of um satire of let me read you some this. some lines that were my favorite from this movie am, and you tell I me this is not well. this is not a comedy all right i'm gonna read you this is these are three of my favorite lines that i that i well, also the ones i could remember upon walking out so these are in order that they appear in the film they first you have you think you're so great because you have boats that is a hilarious line that was very it was very funny we also have fate brought me this pork chop hilarious line yep and then at the very end, when he's being exiled again, we have the scene where they're walking through the boat and the guy says, watch your head, followed immediately by a bonk. And the guy going, who's like, well, what are saying? Ow. That is three. That was the three I can remember off the top of my head when I walked out. This movie is a comedy. It, like, like, I, I, with, with, with elements of serious biopic in it. But this movie's fucking just, funny. <laughs> it just feels less like a comedy and more like everyone making it was taking the piss. Yeah. Um, but oh. I don't think I don't think that makes a a good comedy. I don't think it For is successful it as a comedy, and I think it tries to, like, it tries to. I I feel like it tries to be a, a dramatic biopic that's got comedic elements. 
Um, I don't think but so. I just don't think that it, it it nails that landing. I don't think it is a dramatic biopic at all. I don't think it's a biopic. I think it's just Whitley Scott saying "fuck you" to Napoleon. Get off, Napoleon! Make yourself a dang quesadilla. Fine. And doing it with two hundred million dollars and a four-hour cut that will come out in once it comes to um, Apple TV. I I think I don't think it's a bio, a proper biopic. I, I and and because walking into it. Anyone who walked into it after seeing the trailer would think it is. And that's an issue with marketing, I believe. Because this movie, the trailer makes you think that you're basically walking into a Lincoln or a... It, it's, it's not just the trailer. It was all, all of the promotional the, the, materials. Sorry, very well, yeah, much but like I'm, I'm saying like, I'm going off the trailer, which is what I think most people would have seen. Maybe the poster here and there, but like really it's trailers that what people are seeing nowadays. And it's... It, I guess it has like those those taglines as well. That's true on the process, like from nothing to something. He took every, like he took the world, stuff like that. So it makes you think yeah. it's going to be. But it's it. I think that's a failure in marketing. I don't think. I, and and once we've talked about this a lot, expectation is really important when you go into a movie, which is why you and I don't like we we don't focus on not watching promotional material because we don't want to go in without expectations. Expectations are important when discussing a film because whether that film met the expectation or not or subverted it is important i think technically what it tried to do and this is where i think it failed it tried to subvert the expectation everyone walking in or the marketing was done without ridley scott having anything to do with it which is possibly the more likely of the two and if it if it was the first one the movie failed completely by the way it did not do a good job of going far enough to completely subvert the expectation and said it felt like you were watching the wrong movie if it's the second one that was the studio, that was Apple or whoever else, because who else was associated with this? I think it was Universal or one, I don't know who it was. It was someone else as well. Um, Paramount a, maybe? a lot of the time, marketing, like marketing stuff yeah. like that's often outsourced anyway. Well, but, but like, like it would have been overseen by the, yeah. the, the, and it would have been the studio who said, this is the direction we need to take it. Yeah. Where, I, yeah. I mean, like, obviously we're not talking about as egregious, um, like issues as what happened with the 2016 Suicide Squad, for instance. No, it's nothing like um, that. And then well, they, they outsourced the editing to the freaking trailer company for the whole movie after like one of the trailers came out anyway. So, look, I, I'm i not going to claim this movie is brilliant because there's a lot of issues with it. It's way too long, first of all, and the fact there's a four-hour cut is insane to me. And I think, but I think a lot of the issues people are having are stemming from a very poor... A representation of what this movie is in the marketing and what they're expecting going in because i i walked in having heard some of the discourse about how this movie is not at all what it described was so i knew that i was going into something different i don't know if you knew that when you were walking in and i know a lot of people didn't either so i i was lucky basically i got to see the movie kind of the way you were supposed to see it i feel but yeah i had I'm going to say the same thing over and over again now, but yeah. Yeah, I, no, I I can sort of see where you're coming from, but it was, yeah, very much like if that was the case, there's a severe disconnect between yeah. how the movie was promoted and um, the final product um, to, an ex- to an extent that um, it doesn't do enough to make it so unexpectedly funny that it's obviously... Yeah. Um, a comedy and it doesn't do enough in the marketing to show that it is yeah um, or vice versa well, it, i think it, it, it the, the, the biggest issue of all is the movies that they put in front of ridley scott's name before 
like in the like because the, they'll mm. write they'll say i think it was the ones that they list would be like blade runner gladiator alien mm. and there's a fourth one that i can't remember but those are serious movies those are like mm. like those are like they take what they're doing seriously they're they're not there to joke around like alien is one of the tightest most groundbreaking horror films ever made gladiator is a two hour long epic with joaquin phoenix once again uh he's not the main character and, but and still this is this is this is um very true of a lot of ridley scott's um mostly his earlier work but a lot of his really highly respected work is mm-hmm. is these tight powerful dramatic films exactly um, like alien as you say alien blade runner um gladiator gladiator the martian um, well, actually the martian, the martian. see well, actually, the martian, if, they, if they put the martian if on they put there the martian, yeah. that would have led to it being more like oh this could be a because what they could have done they could put thelma louise the martian mm. I can't think of two more off the top of my head, but they could have put some more like lighthearted fun ones than the serious dark yeah. ones in front. Of and that would have and maybe led to people like you and me who are in the loop a bit more about what movies are to maybe know. Still yeah. general audience would be screwed, but maybe the the film the film nerds like you and me would know a bit more what's going on if that happens. Um Yeah. And I think this sort of like leads into the other like my the other big bugbear I had about this film, which and maybe this is a me thing rather than a like actual criticism of the film. Most but of my criticisms are me things, so go for it. <laughs> um, very, it very much felt like the, and you sort of de- described it earlier. Um, he sort of just like falls into um the situation yes. where he ends up being the emperor of France. Um, it's an era of comedy, basically. Like putting on the crown and um declaring himself the emperor of France, like yeah. in this unprecedented, like sacrilegious way. In, like in, in in the scene that's uh, in the trailer, I think, and it it just very much felt like to me that often the way that Napoleon is depicted, or the way he's depicted in popular culture, is that he was this incredibly brutal but incredibly smart tactician, and was very successful, um, had a very successful military career, and it feels like the few scenes that we, or the few, yeah, the few scenes that we see that him in his military career are him losing and it felt very strange to me that you are talking you're making a movie about this guy who built his whole success on his military might you we have one scene near the start of the film where is sort of his like instigation in being promoted to um I can't remember what the what oh because he's he goes from captain to something doesn't he to brigadier general I think I can't recall um, but that sounds correct and we get like one shot of them firing cannons at the pyramids which didn't happen and which didn't happen and beyond that we don't really see him like being a successful military leader we don't really see him being a clever tactician that everyone every other character in the movie believes him to be. And we're sort of just expected as people who exist in the world, I guess, to Mm. know that he's that. And I feel like ultimately that's a failure of the movie, of the writing of the movie to demonstrate and really show us like, this is why he was as revered as he was. And this is why he has such a lasting impact in popular culture. Um, So that, the problem is that like there is an interesting movie in just watching a brilliant general rise to power, but then also what it was that undid him. So it's not like 
Ridley Scott saved us from a boring movie making mm. this instead. He 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 just didn't want Napoleon to be cool, basically. <laughs> yeah, and it feels like I and I'm very much aware that like there's a lot of people who don't like the figure of Napoleon mm. either because he was seen as like anti-British or because he well, killed a lot of people can, can in I pretty brutal ways. Just step in real quick or, with this as well. The problem is that he lost and victory is written by the winner. And so of course he would have been depicted because like the whole thing about him being short is actually just not true as <clears> well. Like, I mean, I don't think he was overtly tall, but he wasn't a very short person. That is propaganda that was written into the history books because he lost and they were going, because you know, Waterloo and all that. So <clears> Yeah, like all the stuff you're saying, it's a lot of that could come down to just poor, poor presentation by people who did not have his best image in, at, at heart mm-hmm. anyway. But yeah, as you were saying, though, these people don't like him. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's um, but there's like sentiment about like he was a really vicious military leader. He was responsible for the deaths of thousands of people, and we kind of get a glimpse of this at the end of the film as well, where we get the credits just before the credits um the text of how many people died in i think 10 or so of his most unsuccessful i don't it was it was a handful of his most unsuccessful military conquests it was Um, like two million right overall i think it it was a lot it's a lot it was a lot of people and like it's very much like well yes he's he was a military leader who was incredibly vicious and and um one would argue that he had very little respect for for the life of the average person but i think if you're making a movie about a guy like this and not explicitly using it to really like dig your claws in and tear him down it feels really strange to leave out these um moments that feel core to the way that his presence is sort of depicted in popular culture. Mm. And do you want to do some inaccuracies? Do you want to, do you want to go through? Let's let's, look, let's let's have a listen. Let's have a look. So the top one is Napoleon did not charge into any battle with his cavalry, which is something that happens a lot of times in this movie. Uh, apparently, he stayed behind, usually directing the battle battle like any normal general would do, and. Un, 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 unsurprising but that's one i can forgive it's it's a movie about it's a cinematic thing it's boring if he just stands at the back that's fine i whatever uh that's a boring one that's also a boring run okay napoleon and arthur oh no arthur wellesley the duke of wellington uh they never met ever apparently the closest they ever got was standing at two different ends of the battlefield apparently uh at that waterloo so um napoleon never attacked the pyramids he never he fought near them apparently but he never did any damage to them also there is a myth that napoleon's army damaged the nose of the egyptian sphinx that is also that's untrue that's unsubstantiated exactly yeah uh napoleon did not slap josephine during their divorce as a matter of fact a lot of historians have come out and said that they didn't uh, appreciate that because napoleon adored josephine too dearly to have ever laid a hand on her in that way uh he, he like that relationship felt really strange to me because like you get moments of it where he's like i am so desperately in love with you and, and the I next would, minute i would move mountains for yeah. you and then he's like but i'm a little whiny baby i'm a little baby who wants zegs give me zeki 
it's yeah but that's just kind of what i found funny though to be perfectly honest it's, it's just funny see because every everything written here a lot of movies if this was the case i'd be kind of like oh why are you doing this but also i've hit a point with a lot of historical movies where i'm like you got to make a good movie first and foremost like you historical accuracy if that's what you're going for generally you're not making a good movie you're you're not you gotta you gotta bend some stuff as long as it's in, as long as it's in good taste go ahead uh napoleon was not at marie antoinette's public execution uh which is a interesting scene at the very start it's basically the introduction of him and uh, it's the introduction of the whole movie as well is watching marie antoinette get a head cut off and then he's kind of hanging out there uh he was uh what was he he was in southern france as an officer in the french military during that pivotal pivotal time pivotal time and he was garrisoned somewhere hold on it's not telling me where he was oh in southern france yeah he was garrisoned somewhere down in southern france not not near paris not near paris no where marie antoinette was exactly killed uh this is more just kind of funny uh napoleon was notoriously bad at riding horses uh, he didn't grow up with riding horses. Neither did he finish military riding training. So he never, he, like, he's kind of shown to be pretty competent as a rider in the film. I mean, this is not obviously not a huge issue at all, but he's shown, but like, that would just not be the case. He was really awkward and bad. And he would pick smaller breeds of horse as well because he could then easily get up on them. Like, it was easier to climb onto them. Uh, Napoleon was six that, years that's younger. That's probably where the, where the short. Possibly. The short that's that's quite possibly, from. actually, yeah. Uh, Napoleon was six years younger than Josephine, which is actually one of the, that's kind of one of the leading factors behind why a lot of historians reckon that Josephine couldn't sire a child for Napoleon, it was because she just unfortunately was that much older. Um, because watching this movie, you don't get the idea that's the case, do you? I mean, they no. kind of, I think they mentioned their birthdays at the very start, but it. F- doesn't it's fleeting enough that it's missable like if because i was kind of trying to pay attention to see how much younger or older she was and for me i thought i counted one year difference basically between them i don't think i counted like i I probably counted it wrong to be honest as well but it's it's a strange detail to leave out as well well because like it's history's filled with guys who take really young brides and then also i believe that walking here we go walking phoenix is 14 years older than vanessa kirby and not that he looks bad for his age but he does look a lot he older does than look her. older as, than because people mature and that's not like that's not saying he looks bad like he looks old he just has matured further than she has because he's been alive a decade and, and almost and a half longer than she has been so it looks like he's the older person but it's a different dynamic to what a lot of history historical relationships had so i feel like especially when a movie that's based so heavily around that relationship because that's what in all the uh all the interviews and that Mm. uh, all the interviews ridley scott vanessa kirby and walking phoenix say that this movie is meant to show the rise and fall of napoleon through the lens of their marriage mm. basically that's that's the that's the key words that they continuously say and yeah. yet you neglected to include what could be considered a major part of like the dynamic i i think like on that point i think that's probably where the movie is its strongest is this sort of back and forth reflection between his relationship with josephine and then how that relates to his sort of success. But I again I, I still think that's very much hampered by um us not seeing a lot of his success develop yeah. despite it being there. Yeah. Uh the rest of these aren't that interesting, so we can just kind of peter off from there. 
Um, I mean, the, the last one, I, I guess, was a kind of, Napoleon did not come from nothing, nor did he conquer everything. I mean, we knew he didn't conquer everything, but like there's a big emphasis on him kind of in the trailers, at least. He's got kind of like he came from nothing. He conquered everything, I believe. was Here we go. Yeah, that was a slogan that was in the uh, yeah. in a lot of the trailers. Uh, he was a he was like a Corsican noble. Like he would, and so he had a leg up compared to everyone else and stuff like that. Also, they would never. I was reading this in a different article as well. They would never have done. Napoleon's mother would never have done that betting, like staging a betting thing, like the test mm. betting to see if he could. He was the problem, uh, because he'd already sired a bunch of illegitimate children beforehand. So, like, it it that wasn't like a problem. They knew it was on Josephine's end, unfortunately. However, mm. speaking of children. Every single child kind of just disappears in this movie. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. so, Josephine has kids at the start of this movie and only the daughter reappears at the very end, which I didn't realize was her for a long time because they don't say it and it only takes until the point to say, why didn't you tell me your mother was dead for us to realize? Because I don't think anyone in the audience would have known. Mm. Napoleon's son, who I believe was Napoleon too as well, and it's like the big thing. He's his birth is a big thing because Napoleon's been wanting a child for so long, specifically a son for so long, because he needs an heir. Disappears. Where's he gone? Where'd he go? Where'd the wife go? Like wh- where'd she go? <laughs> it's just it's just like, and I feel like I feel like what this is is parts of the four hour long version that have been cut out. Oh, another thing that's been that, that I assume has been cut out is what happened to his brother. Where'd he go? What happened to him? <laughs> like he just kind of disappears. But like. It's just odd. I assume it's in the four-hour cut, basically, but that's not a good yeah. excuse. No, it's not. Especially given that there's there's definitely chaff in this movie that you can cut out. I I feel it's not a. It doesn't feel like a movie that really uh sustains its runtime and really warrants the the yeah close to three-hour um runtime that it has. It definitely drags for sure. Quick fact check: last week. Or two weeks ago, I said that Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes was seven minutes longer. I think this is actually, I think Napoleon's actually one minute longer. So I was wrong, by the way. For Songbirds and Snakes, still too long, though. Like, it's still the same length as Napoleon. <laughs> but anyway, um, I don't have much more to say than what I've said. Yeah, should we get some scores? I'm happy to give some scores, baby. What score did you give it? Um, I gave Napoleon three very important battles that they missed to get, gave <laughs> that gave context to Napoleon's regime, and half an hour that Ridley Scott could have cut from the movie out of five. It's interesting. That's that's three and a half. I gave it three Waterloo's and a burning Moscow out of five. I have to give credit to my dad, by the way. He's the one who came up with that um, when we went and saw it, and I liked it a lot, so I used it. Hey. Fan mail. Yeah. Fan mail. That sounded that sounded German. It was German. Uh do we have any? Um, not to my knowledge. I haven't got any of my this is us reminding you, if you don't send us fan mail, we will just keep putting in this segment. We got told off once, but we're gonna keep doing it over and over so we don't get told off again. It's gonna be annoying and you're probably just gonna skip past it. Yeah, or but, you could give us fan mail. Or you could send us fan mail. So send us fan mail. Send us fan mail. Uh, instead, we're going to do a little improvisational song. Oh, shit. Uh, 
Um, can you wait, start? Let me play. Let me play a track. Let me get did, a beat. Let me get you, a beat. Did you prepare you. this earlier? Yeah, I definitely oh my, did. Oh my goodness! I definitely, oh, did, did I definitely you? did. And I'm not like googling like, uh, what is it? Musical theater sounding soundtrack. <laughs> Neck theater. Uh, no, that's a sponsor. Best Broadway songs, Broadway playlist, musical theater songs. I don't Try and do to, um, like no, was no, it, what, no lyrics. No, I was gonna say uh, music, the musical theater. No, no rights. What's the one? Ro- the, royalty no, free. No, no, royalty free. Royalty free uh, musical theater. Yeah. No rights. <laughs> Musical style backing track without lyrics. Here we hey. go. I'm not listening to it. I'm not listening to it. Okay. I'm just copying it and exporting it. Do, um, do we have a uh, Do we have a, a theme that we can go off of? Or um, the theme is is French. Oh, it'd be lack of. No, surely it's lack of fan mail. Oh yeah, it's for the French lack of fan mail. Oh, uh, no, no fan mail. Oh. No fan mail. Oh, yeah, I'm not I gonna. Know, I'm not I can't, gonna I can't maintain accent an accent. No, I no. can't maintain an accent the whole time. I I can barely do the accent to begin with. I can barely alone. talk in my normal voice. I can barely talk. Wait, it's loading now. Oh, excellent. How much of this am I cutting out? A lot, probably. So much. God, I wish I had some fan mail right now. Such a lonely place without it. I really wish I had some fan mail. You couldn't tell, but we used to do musical theater. The birth of us. My voice didn't leave me when my balls dropped. Uh, one of us was waiting for the other to sing, but we didn't. Remember that you should send us fan mail. Oh, send us fan mail so this part of the episode's on is awkward and weird. Send us fan mail so that we can stop having to these types of things in these sections, yeah. And now we're gonna harmonize. Oh, we're gonna wait for the like little like like the bit. We're gonna go like ba 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 ba. Fan mail. Fan mail. That's the fan mail. Can we stop it now? (laughs) (laughs) Just cuts off halfway through. How long is that? I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to do a coin toss and the I'm gonna send heads or tails to you on like Messenger. I will then do a coin toss once you reply. And if you get it correct, that will stay in. And if <laughs> no, just keep it. Just Run. say I know. Listen to it and see if it's funny. Yeah. Run the clip. Uh, this has been the Blockbusted Podcast. I've been uh, uh, <clears throat> I have been Citizen Mitch. And I have been your citizen mix. Rochen send us questions, reviews, and wanted hit mail at the blockbusted puddy at gmail.com. 
It is Pudi, spelled P-U-D-D-I-E. You can also find us on the app. Family <laughs> On the app. On you the can app. find us on the internet. On, on the internet. On the application. Formerly known as the Twitter, Instagram, and the TikTok. Uh, at the username, Baby Pudi. Baby Pudi. This week... I am asking you, you, baby pudi. Hey, baby, do you want to go to my pudi? <laughs> you want pudi? Do, do you want my baby pudi? She beat on my bee till I pottied. Sounds like I pooped. This week, I am asking you to prank call someone with an outrageous French accent. Ring, 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 ring. You, I'm asking you to ring ring. Oh, wait, are you prank calling me right now? I'm, I'm ring ring oh, you. I'm hello, ring, ring. who is this? It is me, Mr. French. Oh, I don't know anyone um, in French. Um, you, the Australian government has uh, got a warrant for your arrest. What? <laughs>